There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves and the light. And we're back. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. We, I've been in Asia and Matt's been busy taking care of just a lot of work here at home. And so uh, we're back today and hopefully for at least a couple of weeks we'll be together making uh, podcasts uh, together to present every other week and then we're playing with some ideas about what we're going to do in the future and we'll talk about those when they're a little bit more developed. But anyway, this is Send the Light Podcast. I'm Mike Bolton, a good friend, Brother Matt Tyson. We're members of the local body of the Church of Christ here in Waterloo, Iowa that meets at Cedar Terrace Drive, 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. Uh, we meet at 10.30 on Sunday mornings and at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. We have lots and lots of free resources, and we love to get together with people and talk to them uh, about the scriptures. We love to drink coffee. You'll almost always see us here with a cup of coffee, so uh, that is that is par for the course for us. And our Facebook page is uh, at Cedar Terrace COC, and our email address and all that is posted on your screen as we go through this. Uh, today, I want to talk. We want to talk about a contemporary issue, and we want to try to answer the question: Is Israel today still God's people? You keep looking like you want to jump in. No, I'm good. Go okay. on for the ride. Okay. Uh, this is in response, in part at least, uh, to the conflict that's going on in the Middle East. That's drawn the eyes of the whole world right now and uh we want to talk about that and and see what the scriptures say in answer to those questions you want to give a prayer for us as we get started yeah let's go ahead and say a prayer our almighty and righteous father in heaven we thank you for who you are and who you are to us we thank you for your love for us and sending your son to die for our sins we thank you for this time that we could come together as friends and brethren and uh, study your word together. Father, I ask that it's beneficial to our viewers and our listeners and to us as well. We'll uh, strive to use these times of study to uh, become stronger Christians than we have been in the past. Help us to be good Bible students of your word. Uh, help us to strive to put away deceptive uh, techniques of Satan uh, in the religious world and to strive to find only truth. We ask that you would forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, Brother Matt brought an excellent lesson answering this question. It was a two-part series, and um, he's posted those on, on the podcast. He, he posted the videos of them on the podcast. But I wanted to talk about them uh, in a conversational pattern and fashion today. And because I have a personal vested interest, I don't know if you were aware of this. There were two things in my life that caused major shifts in the way that I think uh, scripturally about, about scripture and about religion and faith. First of all, when I discovered the truth about the communion, about worshiping with one cup and one unbroken loaf, uh, I was baptized for the remission of, sin, of sins and added to the Lord's church just a couple of weeks after that. And then several months later, 
when I discovered this question and the impact that it had on my life and on my way of thinking still has a ripple effect in my life today. And I'll talk more about that at the end of the lesson. So I have a couple of questions to get Matt going. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. I think he's pretty fired up about this. Um, and all this material is fresh in his head, so it should be pretty easy. I don't know. That was, that was more than a week ago. <laughs> That's a stretch. And a lot has happened since then. So the first question I think is important is, uh, when was Israel originally formed? Well, for one, you and I both agreed when we started this podcast that we didn't want, we wanted to stay in our lane. There's plenty of podcasts out there that get real deep into, you know, Greek theology and mythology and all the other ologies. And, and, and I'm not a scholar, uh, you know, I, I, that's not me. Um, and so we had, we had decided that we wanted to stick with kind of the Bible basics and, and try to, to work towards having a better understanding ourselves and, and also for perhaps our listeners and viewers out there. Um, and so when we talked about this topic, about recording, talking about this one, I was thinking about that. Like, is this staying in our lane on basic Bible doctrines? And I absolutely think it is because ultimately, you know, we want to be God's people. And the way that we become God's people today, and I think we'll find this with Israel as well, um, you know, that's, that has very uh, significant uh, implications for us today. And so I think it's absolutely important. But we are talking about Israel. And uh, obviously with the conflict going on, there's many people that have many different thoughts. And in fact, there's been division even among you know, among our brothers and sisters and across the land over this issue, there's, there's people on both sides, people that believe that the Jews are God's chosen people. And there's people that believe that they're not God's chosen people. And I, I believe there's disagreement even between who is God's chosen people. Uh, it's not Israel, but there's disagreement over who it is today. But yeah, going back to your question about when Israel was formed, uh, I'd like to go to Genesis chapter 12, and I want to read the first four verses here. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country, your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Then I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you. But the ones who treat you lightly, I must curse so that all the families of the earth may receive blessing through you. So Abram left just as the Lord told him to do and Lot went with him. Abraham was given a command here from God to go and he did. And it was unquestionable. He, he didn't stop to debate God over what was most expedient. He just obeyed God. And by doing so, God gave him a promise uh, in, a, in a covenant, an agreement that his seed, the seed of Abraham, would inherit the land of Canaan. Now, if we go to Hebrews chapter 8, we start to see a little bit of um, some of this coming to pass. Hebrews 11, I'm going to start in verse 8 here. The Bible says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, and he went out without understanding where he was going. 
By faith, he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as though it were a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. Uh, for he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And then if you go down to verse 13, uh, same chapter, these all died in faith without receiving the things promised, but they saw them in the distance and welcomed them and acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. So Abraham, I think you said that was Hebrews eight. That's Hebrews 11, 11 verse. Yeah. Verse I'm sorry. Yeah. Hebrews eight, 11 verses eight through 10. Okay. And then verse 13. Sorry. Uh, but the, the thing is though, is that Abraham would never come to see the physical manifestation of that promise, but it was counted to him as faith because he knew that God would deliver on that promise to his seed. And, and he did. Israel would come to grow into uh, and or possess that land of Canaan because of Abraham's obedience to God. Did you have something to jump in with? Oh, my mind's running all kinds of things. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll choose one. Uh, Isaac, is Abraham's son, mm -hmm. didn't see it either. That's correct. Yeah. Yep, he died. Um, Without seeing the promise, realized. Yeah, so he would. So Abraham would ultimately go on to have eight sons, but only one of those sons was with Sarah, the one that God had had promised to him. Um, and Isaac had Jacob, and that's where we see the beginning of 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 Israel. It was because of Abraham's uh, covenant with God and his seed that Israel came to be. But it ultimately was was because of Jacob in Genesis uh, thirty two. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? He answered, Jacob. And this is, I believe, to be God speaking here. No longer will your name be Jacob, but Israel, for you have fought with God and with men and have prevailed. And so that's where we see that word Israel for the first time uh, is when God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And that word, like, basically says there, means one who struggles or strives with God. This name was given to Jacob. The name of Israel was given to Jacob because according to verse 28, Jacob had striven with God and Jacob had, had striven with man and with people. After God touched Jacob's hip and dislocated it, uh, Jacob was no longer able to continue wrestling with this man, or with, with God in, in this form. The only thing he could do is talk about verse 26. He could cling to God. And he did that. He couldn't fight anymore. He was injured and he held on. And, and I think that is so significant that in his weakness, Jacob asked for blessing from the Lord, according to verse 26 and 29. And I think that's a vital lesson for every generation to understand and to, to think about that Jacob was victorious in that encounter with God. Yeah. But it did not come through his own strength and effort. It came through his desperate weakness. And when he realized that he could not defeat God, he clung on to God ultimately until blessing was acquired. And I believe that would be ultimately be the epitome of Israel, that as Israel grew and as they accomplished God's will, 
uh, it was the result of God's blessings, not their own effort. But we see Jacob, I mean, he's known as the deceiver, a trickster, and, and he cheated, and things like that. He wasn't always perfect, but that's in those with Well, and I think that's the, the case goes back to Israel as well, is that when Israel fell away from God, God retracted his blessing. And I think that that's, that's important. When, when Israel would follow their will, God let them. And God said, okay, you go ahead. And we're going to talk about that some more later. So there's this conflict in the Middle East, and people get all upset about it. We get upset about it because it drives up prices. It, it causes all kinds of chaos. War, I mean, that's, that's part of war, right? Um, but Jacob had faith in God and depended on God. Ultimately, Israel, even though she paid a big price for her backslidings, came to the point where she trusted God as well, Israel as a nation. Mm -hmm. That's what, just, this is a, a, a rabbit that I'm chasing. I'm sorry. Uh, that's what we do. Regardless of what's going on anywhere else in the world, even in our own life, if we're walking by faith, we're trusting God, God's going to work it out. He's going to take care of it. Well, and just like Abraham, you know, Abraham and, and Hebrews 11, it said that it was counted to him as faith, not having received the promise, but having seen it. And that's one thing that we talk, tell people all the time is you may become a Christian and you may live a righteous life. That doesn't mean you're going to live an easy life, but your reward is promised to you. Right. Sometimes that reward is in this life, keep your eyes on you know, but yeah, keep your eyes on the prize and, and, you know, Job uh, who we point to for many different lessons, but he was ble God blessed the latter end of his life more than the former. And, and if he died faithfully, then he had that reward and an eternal reward, but it's the eternal reward that matters. That's what we're fighting for in this life. And if we're making decisions and making sacrifices and doing things for the immediate reward, I mean, like Jesus says about certain aspects of the Christian life. You know, if you're seeking after the wrong things, you have your reward and that's going to be it. But we should seek an eternal reward. And that's the example we see from Abraham. So, so that's, you know, in a, in a quick nutshell, you know, that's kind of how Israel came to be. Uh, Abraham had Isaac who had Jacob, Jacob's name was turned to Israel. Jacob would, would go on to have a son named Joseph, the one whom his brothers were jealous of. And, uh, through the sin of Joseph's brothers, he was relocated to Egypt and Joseph in Egypt, even through his brother's sins and, and their attempts at, at ultimately murdering him, uh, Joseph was blessed by God and became a mighty nation in Egypt. And that was the nation of Israel. And that's kind of where we see its, you know, explosion. So not in 1948 when the British, no, <laughs> the political boundaries to the Jewish people. You know, I don't think I put it in the notes here. I didn't, uh, but there is a quote, I mentioned it in, in my lesson that Israeli tour guides 
say, you know, Israel may be 200 miles wide and 300 miles long, but it's 3000 years deep. And, and I really liked that because there is a, an immense amount of history with the nation of Israel in various times and forms. Yeah. And I love history and we could talk about this history for forever. So we were talking about Jacob and Israel, how they both failed God. Reflections of humanity, but how and how often did Israel fail God? Well, often, uh, and it didn't take them very long. You know, God delivered these, these people from slavery in which they were beaten and mistreated and uh, you know, their sons were taken and murdered and, you know, like horrible situation, God delivers them. And then just what, a few days, few weeks later, they're complaining at the Red Sea when they get to the, the first opportunity for God, the first, yeah, I mean, the first opportunity that they had to really demonstrate their faith in God, God, you brought us out of Egypt. Uh, and they come to this Red Sea and they're, they're, they're complaining like, would you bring us here to die? You know, we should have just stayed back there. And so it, they were a very faithless people and it didn't take much to challenge their faith. You were, we'll stay. Was that, no, it was last Wednesday when I gave the lesson on Caleb, Caleb. Oh yeah. Caleb <laughs> and the 12 spies brought back great clusters that was so big. It took two men to carry it on the pole, right? Mm -hmm. And these people, they said, we right. would rather have the Greek, the, the leeks and garlics in Egypt than what's got, what God has promised to us over here. And that was after yeah. all the miracles that God did, uh, bringing them out of Egypt. And really, if you think about it, the Israel's lack of faith was usually the cause of their departure from truth and righteousness and idolatry. Think about at the, at the base of the Mount, when Moses was up getting the 10 commandments, they were thinking, surely he must've died. Yep. Let's create for ourselves false oh. gods. You know, it was all, it was, it was those times, the times of, of question, they'd give up on God. And, uh, so yeah, they, they failed them, failed God a lot. And so do we. Well, so do we. We do. And God is merciful and God is patient with us like he was with Israel. Um, but there came a time when he'd had enough, right? Yeah. And that's significant. And I think that's a significant uh, thing to remember as far as the kind of the answer to the overarching question of are they God's chosen people is that God illustrates Israel as his bride. We need to remember that God illustrates Israel as his bride in Jeremiah three verses eight through 10. She also saw that talking about Judah because of wayward Israel's adulterous worship of other gods. I, God sent her away and gave her divorce papers. But still, her unfaithful sister Judah was not afraid, and she too went out and gave herself like a prostitute to other gods. Because she took her prostitution so lightly, she defiled the land through her adulterous worship of gods made of wood and stone. In spite of all this, Israel's sister, unfaithful Judah, has not turned back to me with any sincerity. She has only pretended to do so, says the Lord. I'm reading from the New English translation today. 
Uh, so we see there in throughout scripture that, that Israel is referred to as the bride of God, that God's right. God's spouse. And every time that Israel allowed their faith in the almighty to, or their lack of faith, I should say their lack of faith in the almighty to overtake their drive for obedience, they failed God. And as a result of that disobedience, God divorces Israel. They cheated on him. They, Israel chose to bring in other parties into the intimate relationship that they shared with God. And, and as, as the result, God divorced him. He, like Jeremiah says, gave him divorce papers and sent him packing. So God rejected Israel. What did that look like? Well, I believe they sent them, God, for one, God sent them off to the Assyrians. Right. Um, but he, he let them have their way. He, I mean, and that's just like, uh, the, the illustration of God's nature with us today is if you want the world, go have it, but don't look to me to bless your efforts, to, to bless your desires. I have a friend. Look, a denominational guy would grow up together in the same denomination and going different paths. But his book intrigued me when I saw it advertised. It said, God will always give you what you want. And that almost sounds like a health and wellness gospel. Mm -hmm. But the principle that he talked about throughout the book was this very thing. Yeah. If you want righteousness, God will see to it that you have righteousness. But if you want the world, he'll let you have the world. I heard it illustrated once, like my daughters don't have them because they're creepy, but <laughs> you know, the little dolls that you pull a string on the back and they say, they say things, uh, you know, and, and I heard it illustrated once, like one of those little dolls and you pull the string on their back and it says, I love you. Does that doll really love who pulled that string? No, it's programmed. That's right. It's programmed to do that. And that's not love. And so if God were to have done that to us and, and programmed us to be righteous and programmed us to be obedient and programmed us to love him, that's not love. So going back to where you started, this is part of our lane that we've chosen, mm -hmm. uh, because it ties in with so many doctrines throughout the scripture. Yeah. This is very good. So God rejected Israel permanently. Well, so yeah. So I'm into captivity. Yep. He, he sent them away like Jeremiah says, but then Paul, who was a Jew, uh, comes to this you know, Romans, he talks about in great detail about the Jews, the Gentiles, and some of the trying to harmonize some misconceptions that were going on at the time about the two parties. But then he comes to this in Romans 11. I'm going to read the first six verses. He says, so I ask, God has not rejected his people, has he? Absolutely not. There's the answer mm -hmm. for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you know that the scripture, do you, uh, 
Do you not know what the scriptures say about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what was the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 people who have not bent the knee to Baal. So in the same way, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And so that, you know, that gives us our answer as far as the permanent um, rejection, you might say. But Romans, you know, we, we just read there in Romans 11, but also Romans 9 through 11, Paul talks a lot about Israel's rejection of God and kind of God's view or God's response to that rejection. Right now, I believe Jews or Israel stands rejected. And, and, but God has not cast them away, but like an unfaithful spouse, like they are, he's waiting for them to come back. He loves them. He didn't want them to depart. He didn't, you know, a spouse doesn't look forward to their spouse running off on them with someone else and God's patient and God is loving and God is just there waiting for his wayward spouse to come back to him. He's more patient and loving than we are sometimes. Mm -hmm. I should say all the time. It reminds me of the story of the prophet that God said, go and marry this woman who's going to cheat on you, <laughs> going to have many lovers. He did. She did. She left him. God told him, go redeem her. Buy her back. And you're going to be a living epistle, a living parable for my people, for what I'm going to do. So who are God's people today if the Jews are not God's people? Well, I think we have to ask the question first, why are the Jews, why do they stand in rejection of God right now? You know, I think that's, you know, Romans demonstrates that Jews and Gentiles, that neither party is above the other in the spiritual hierarchy anymore. In the closing verses of Romans chapter 9 and all of chapter 10, Paul shows us that the Israelites or Jews stand rejected before God because they have refused to submit to God's plan for redemption. They they make the choice of resting in their lineage rather than following messianic prophecy. So explore that for just a moment. The people of Israel in the Old Testament were a nation that God called out of Egypt, that God organized. Uh, they were a theophany, a government that was overseen directly by God, unique in all the other uh, political governments in history. Um, they were God's chosen people as a nation, as an ethnicity, as a culture group, cultural group, but they're not now. Correct. It's the nation of Israel, and I am not, I cannot speak much more than what I'm about to say because it's, I don't want to give wrong information, but the nation of Israel today is not the same nation of Israel as it was back in the Bible. And I think that's where we get 
Well, that's where, when I began to realize the truth of this subject many years ago, that was the epiphany that I had. Oh, the, the, the nation of Israel is, is not the Jews. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not the same people. There may, there are, there are people that live in Israel who are Jews, right. you know, who, who strive to live under uh, mosaic law with some exceptions. I don't think anybody's stoning their kids anymore. I don't think they make regular sacrifices. Yeah. That, right. They did under the covenant. Alan Bonifay says in his commentary, uh, he listed out pretty good. He says, as the result of their disobedience, the picture painted from Paul through Romans is pretty bleak. Most of the Jews stand before God accursed, Romans 9, verse 3. They have prepared themselves for destruction, 9, 22. They, uh, though they have followed after the law of righteousness, they have not attained it, 9.31. Consequently, they remain willfully ignorant of God's righteousness, 10 verse 3, and they are by and large disobedient and stubborn people, 10 verse 21. And that really, uh, you can't say anything you know much better than that. They stand rejected because they reject the Christ. So, I know there's lots of theories and in, in dogmas in the world about this we're imploring you as our listener or watcher whatever to consider what the scriptures say and i think what the apostle paul said in romans 9 there makes it about as clear as it has ever been made that israel rejected christ they crucified him and because of that rejection in conjunction with the other rejection toward God, God has dismissed them as his own special people. Yeah, I agree. Now, what I think is important to know, you had asked who are God's people today. Right. The Jews can be God's people today, but not because they are Jews. Not because they are sons of Abraham, and we'll read a little bit about that here in just a minute, but because the gospel is for everybody. But in a in a you know, however, like a, a big however, God's blessings upon his people will cease when they fall away from him. And those blessings will return upon their repentance and restoration. And in the Jews back in in you know, when Jesus walked the earth, the Jews murdered the Messiah. They murdered their savior and it was out of stubbornness and even they could be forgiven. And that's really, uh, Hosea, uh, three verse one. Then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who took to other gods and loved the raising cakes of the pagans. That's the same love that God has towards us today and on those who still currently today, talking about modern Jews today, who reject the Messiah. Unfathomable love. Mm-hmm. Greater love than what I could muster, I'm sure. Some people, even still today, believe that the Jews are God's chosen people. There's one passage I wanted to bring up. Um, in Galatians six, verse 16, 
Paul says, in all this who behave in accordance with this rule, peace and mercy be on them and on the Israel of God. And that passage, I believe, is the cause of, of a lot of, of people's misunderstanding of God's involvement with Israel today. One thing that I had mentioned in my lesson with this passage is, and I think I, might, I heard it from somebody, uh, but if you think of, or maybe it had to do with something else. Anyway, you think of Jesus' words in Matthew 10, verse 33. Uh, the Bible here, I think I got it pulled up here, yeah. Whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father in heaven. Why are the Jew? why do the Jews stand rejected by God today? Yeah. They deny the Christ. So why would Paul, then in Galatians, be saying peace and mercy be on those why who deny Christ? That's not what he's saying, though. No. And so I, I believe that God's chosen people today is the church. I believe that Christians are God's chosen people today. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, I specifically want to pay note to uh, verse 24, 23. We'll read 23 through 29. You want to read it? But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So listen to that. So... God promised Abraham that he would make him the father of many, of many nations and a great people. Now, here, Paul is saying, and if, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, But you, talking to Christians, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who has called you out of this darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. I just think that that makes it so clear. If you go to Galatians 3, uh, going over to 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, so that we could receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So, what promise is he talking about there? I think that promise that God gave to Abraham. Yeah, I was going to flip over to Genesis 17, uh, verses 7 and 8. I will confirm my covenant as a perpetual covenant between me and you. It will extend to your descendants after you throughout their generations. I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you. 
I will give the whole land of Canaan, the land where you are now residing, residing to you and your descendants after you as a permanent possession. I will be their God. So I think that the promise that we read about the aspects of being God's or uh, the seed of Abraham means that the land that God has promised to us can be ours as the result of that covenant. And it's not talking about the geographical stuff on the shores of the Mediterranean. It's talking about the spiritual kingdom, mm -hmm. the church. Yep. And so, so the answer to the question, are the Jews, are, are modern day Jews and modern day Israel, are they God's chosen people? They can be, but they're not. Right. And that's their choice. By obeying the gospel, anyone, Paul here in Galatians 3 gives three classifications that covers every person on the face of the earth. You're going to fit into one of these three mm -hmm. categories and possibly all three of them. Every one can be a seed or a son of Abraham and inherit that promise that God made to him. Mm -hmm. So what is our responsibility toward the Jews at this time? I mean, this is a, a bloody conflict and lots of atrocities going on on both sides. What is our, what is our, I guess, primary responsibility? I don't know. Maybe there's others, but. You know, I think everybody has certain things that they're passionate about. Um, I was 10 years old when 9-11 happened. I remember it. Uh, I remember where I was at when it, we were on the way to, uh, my parents owned a business at the time and we were on the way to, to work for the day. I remember the intersection that we were sitting at and it was back in Orange Park and, and still to this day, 20 years later, when I'm driving through that intersection, I think back to when we heard on the radio about the towers hit and I was always, you know, pretty passionate about it. But when I became a firefighter and paramedic and got to know people in the, the emergency services community. And it became a lot more personal to me. In fact, my t-shirt that I've got on under here is a 9-11 Memorial shirt. Um, but it, it just became more meaningful to me because of the, the ties to the profession that I have now. And, um, and also just those people that ran up into those towers, they weren't looking to die that day. They were just men and women like me, you know, who were just clocking in for another shift. And so that just made it so much more personal to me. And so as the result, I'm, I'm a lot more passionate about it today because of my, you know, kind of my, my ties to that event in that regard as the same way, you know, there's many people in the world who are more passionate about what's going on in Israel because of maybe they took a family vacation to Israel to, you know, do one of these, uh, tours around Israel and, and they just fell in love with it. Or maybe they have family over there. Maybe they're people like Ben Shapiro who are, uh, you know, a modern day Jew and have family and friends there who spent time in their life. Like there's people now who are more passionate about what's going on because of an external circumstance, but it doesn't take any extra, um, passion, I should say, to realize that what's going on over there is absolutely horrible. And 
you know, from, you know, personal opinion, I don't believe the media is showing all of the atrocities that are taking place. Some of that rightly so because of the graphic nature of it, but it doesn't take much Googling to, to see what's really going on over there. And it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, there's, there's babies and, and kids and families being torn apart, murdered. And it's just so sad. And then in retaliation, you know, there have been there, there are people on both sides that have died. There have been innocent people on both sides. There have been, you know, civilian casualties as the result of this war. And it, it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking. But I believe that the Bible is pretty clear um, on what our involvement can be. Second Timothy uh, 2, uh, first seven verses, I think, talks about it. Um, Hebrews 13 verse three says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. Now I believe that that's talking about Christians there. And we just had this 40 minute podcast where we illustrated the Jews are not Christians, but I do believe that there's a great lesson there in empathy. And, and I think that, that as Christians, we should be empathetic to the situation over there, to what's going on over there. Um, I think that we need to pray for the people in Israel. I think we need to pray for those who are being held captive. I think we need to pray for those who are, uh, you know, go going through some of the dealing with the war and the, even just the psychological effects. I mean, people may survive the war, but the psychological effects are, are, uh, are huge. And so I think prayer is a huge thing, but I also think that we can be generous to the needs in Israel. Uh, just like when nine 11 happened or any other disaster, you know, these aren't things that we would necessarily, um, you know, we're not going to cut a check from the church treasury to send for medical needs over there. Now, if we had knew of Christians that were in need, the Bible's clear, you know, about our, yeah. So that, that's a different situation, but but we can be generous personally. We can help with medical supplies and food. And, and I mean, there, like I said, a quick Google search, you can find ways to send humanitarian relief. Very true. Here's the thing. When I look at, consider what's going on there now, and then I look at two years ago, it was the war in Ukraine. And while all of this is going on, there's a major civil war going on in Myanmar that you rarely yeah. ever hear anything about from the media. So I, like you were saying, I don't really trust the media. I'm convinced because of the nature of war that there's been atrocities of probably equal uh, magnitude on both sides. And that leaves me to the conclusion but I can pray. Mm -hmm. I can pray for peace. I can pray for those who are hurting, and I can pray for the gospel to have right of way. in In the midst of all this chaos, you know, we were in in Bangladesh, and they're facing a political election next month in in January. And as is often the case there, their their countryside is in uproar over, you know, politics. There's not really fighting, but there's a lot of skirmishes and, and fun riots and stuff like that. And so the government 
shuts the streets down from time to time to try to protect himself and to try to protect uh, the people. So there was a possibility we wouldn't have been able to come home. Yes. Um, or there would have been a possibility we would gotten could have gotten caught up in one of those things and, and possibly get been hurt. Mm-hmm. God protected us and brought us home, and God protected our brethren while we were there. And while we were there, thirties more than thirty people obeyed the gospel in Bangladesh, in the midst of all this confusion. So the gospel can have a right of way and can have free way, even in the midst of this chaos. And if you happen to be a Jew and you've heard this podcast and you've heard our rather strong position that just because your bloodline is Jewish does not make you uh, one of God's children, but rather obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ will make you one of God's children, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to share in person with you. You know, I, no, I'm glad you brought that up because, mm. you know, we talk a lot about prayer and one of the things that I had mentioned this in, in my lesson, that, that one of the reasons we need to pray, no matter what your feelings is on the conflict, there's people that believe that Israel, you know, had, had what's coming to them and, you know, stuff like that. There's on both sides, people that are dying right now in a lost position. And these are people who were created in the image of God. And so one of the reasons that we should be praying for this conflict, the Ukrainian conflict, the, uh, all, you know, any kind of conflict is that, so they're there, so people can survive to have another opportunity right. to obey the gospel. I believe the Jews are a special people and, you know, I believe that God, God believed that too. You know, it, Paul says in Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's God's power to salvation to everyone who believes to the Jews first Yeah, as the, because of the, the, I mean, really the work, the work, the turmoil, the, 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 the the sacrifice, the, um, what all it took to be the lineage, to bring forth the Messiah. God recognized that and gave them the first dibs. And, and he did in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, he, he gave the gospel to the Jews first in Jerusalem in Jerusalem. And so this is not, like you said, this is not hating on the Jews. This is just imploring to recognize that the Messiah, the son of God who was prophesied about, and, and if you're a Jew, you believe those prophecies. He's come. He's delivered what he promised. He has brought salvation to those who believe, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. Well, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I <laughs> when I began to realize all this many years ago, it shifted a major shift took place my mind and my way of thinking. And I began to eschew uh politics and, and being involved in the military and things like that because I saw what was the point. God's people are Christians. God's people are those who have obeyed the gospel. And that became my primary focus and my 
motivated my prime motivation in my life not who's going to be president or or what bill is going to be passed because men are going to do what men are going to do and god's gift is so great and so good and his grace is so marvelous and amazing that's what my passion is and so I think about Philippians uh, 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Right. And so let's not get caught up on all the, the garbage that goes on. Right. <laughs> we don't need in all of our heart break for people who hurt on either side of any conflict, but our focus is our citizenship in heaven. Amen. Well, stay tuned for another episode of Thin the Light. Hopefully, we'll be back next week, one of us at least, and uh, presenting some relevant uh, Bible topics for consideration and hopefully edification. And uh, I'll let you close this out. Yeah. Uh, well, um, like Mike said at the beginning, uh, we meet here at the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive here in Waterloo. You'll find us here at 1030 a.m. on Sundays, 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, put our email address and phone numbers up on the screen. Please feel free to call, text, email. Um, you can find our website at cedarterracecoc.com. You can find our Facebook and YouTube channels with the handle at cedarterracecoc. We love meeting folks uh, for Bible studies, um, you know, meeting up for a cup of coffee and, and going through some, some Bible study material together. Uh, I always find it's beneficial for me you know this isn't this isn't just a, a one one way street you know we're built up and encouraged by it as well so please feel free to reach out we can also send those courses to you by mail we also have many other resources that we can send to you uh bible studies uh, bible material study material um so just let us know how we can best serve you and, and help you and your as you strive to to grow closer to god uh, once again, I'm Matt Tyson here with Brother Michael Bolton. It's been a pleasure, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.